Welcome to No Compromise, where faith and reason fuse in conversation. Hey, Johnny. Hello, my love. Okay, so we're finished discussing the Chronicles of Narnia, right? Are we? Do you think we're going to go back? Yeah, I guess we could leave off Prince Caspian and mm-hmm. the others. Voyage of Don Dreader and the Last Battle. Or maybe sometime someday. in the future we'll yeah. come back to them. Yeah, someday. Okay, because we wanted to discuss something that we've been noticing lately, and um, you coined the term the height effect. The height effect, yes. You, We discussed it in previous No Compromises and in the Christian Atheist. Yes. Number 65 so, on the closing of our churches. Right. And also we did... It was episode number 12. Okay. No Compromise, Hindsight is 2020. Hindsight is 2020. And in that one, we read the Debbie Lerman piece? Exactly. And okay. that's what we're going to be revisiting that And we're today. revisiting that today, cool. yes. So let's start out with what is the height effect? The name is based on the social, um, the social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, right. who teaches at NYU's School of Business. Right. I think it's the Stern School of Business at NYU. Right. And he wrote the two books that people are more familiar with. Are the Righteous Mind? I think it was in 2007 that that was published, mm-hmm. and that kind of really brought he skyrocketed to fame on that book. Right. Um, and then recently he wrote The Coddling of the American Mind, and he's done other more popular articles and things like that as well. He's a brilliant social psychologist, yeah, on the well worth reading. On the political scale, yeah, he would consider himself a a leftist, a liberal for sure, right? And still does to this day. In fact, in an interview. I just listened to online. He said he's never voted for a Republican in his life, and he yeah. never expects to. Yeah, and the meaning of the height effect, right? And and Jonathan Height, when we listen to him, this is what he's done. He looks at the left, and he sees he sees a problem, serious problems yeah, on the damaging left, damaging right problems, right? And he wants to correct it, right? But the problem is he's not understanding the the broader historical context, right? that um produced the problem right and then that's so my idea for the for the height effect Mm -hmm. is that it's a self-awareness on the left that there's something seriously wrong right but with their with their approach to things and it's causing bad things to happen but they see it as a misstep but they see it as just a simple mistake that can be corrected rather than as part of the logic of the entire ideology of leftism as it has developed and i want to make it clear real early here before we go into it that this is not a problem that i see that we see with the left itself that is with people who lean towards liberalism yeah that's not it it's not that's not the problem the problem has resulted from a deeper ideological issue that goes back all the way to Georg Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel, our favorite whipping boy. (laughs) Um, And it is the leftist ideology, not leftism, that is the problem. And we started seeing it all over the place, not just with Jonathan Haidt. Right. That's where we first Right. So we're seeing all over the place, Mm -hmm. various liberals looking at their side and coming to a self-awareness that there's something seriously wrong here, but not recognizing where it's come from. And we, you and I started talking about this, I think, in depth when we read together the coddling of the American mind. And we said to ourselves, well, it's very interesting that he's seeing this, but the problem is he sees it all beginning 
like in the in the 2010s. Yes. It's like, that's where it all comes from. If we could just go back before that, everything was fine. Um, We need to correct it. And and then we'll be back to square one. But the problem is, that's not the problem. Mm -hmm. There is a logic to the system that has been developing. And it's grown increasingly worse because the logic will lead you there if you buy into the system to start with. Exactly. Yeah, and they don't see that. Right. All they see is the, the individual problems. Right. Like, if we could just go back to when the service engine light turned, right before the service engine light turned on. Yes, right? exactly. <laughs> but no further back. But no further back than that, yes. <laughs> okay. So, to summarize what we're going to talk about in this episode is that they have an awareness that a line has been crossed, right? but they're not aware of the underlying structure. Right. So they they miss, they see the symptom, Mm -hmm. and they want to correct the symptom. They're missing the disease. Right. Okay. So we're going to show that, that this is increasingly occurring by members on the left by examples. Right. Thank you. So we have a series of examples today to work our way through that sort of exemplify what it is we're talking about by this notion of the height effect. Right. Okay, so one of the articles that caught our attention was by Bridget Fetasy. Yeah, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. P-H-E-T-A-S-Y, Fetasy. Yeah, and she wrote an article, what was the website, Beyond Parody? Beyond Parody, yes, I think so. She's a comedian. Right, it was dated um, August 17th, 2022. Okay, yeah, so it's very recent. Right. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. So the article, uh, without even mentioning the name, because it's it's not a nice name, we'll yeah. post it <laughs> with the rest of the in articles the in the description to the podcast and, uh, and the YouTube. She comes to the conclusion that the conservative notion of valuing yourself as a woman. Right. Um, is the right notion. Right. And that the <laughs> feminist movement has been trying to make women into men and in turn has been destroying women has been destroying women and that's something that western culture has known (laughs) certainly since christianity right um and christian traditional right and she certainly would not call it that so she's a she she wouldn't she's a prime example of someone who buys all of the leftist mantra but sees oh there's a problem here right and they got they got it they got it wrong on this one little thing right and that's the that's our point. Right. And it's really a, an article worth reading. Don't read it around your kids. Right. <laughs> it's like the what we're seeing is they're localizing the problem. Right. Rather than globalizing and understanding the why it's developed. Exactly right. Exactly. Right. Okay, so that takes us to the to the heart of the matter and that's that's Jonathan Haidt and you have some stuff that you'd want right. to read to present what it is we're talking about. So Jonathan Haidt did research where he showed that conservatives understand liberals better than liberals understand conservatives. Right. Right. So I've got a pretty good summary Mm -hmm. of that point taken directly from The Righteous Mind, the book. So it's on page 334 of The Righteous Mind. Haidt describes a study in which he examines how well liberals, conservatives, and moderates understand each other. When I speak to liberal audiences about the three binding foundations, loyalty, authority, sanctity, I find that many in the audience don't just fail to resonate. They actively reject these concerns 
as immoral. That is, part of what we human beings, traditionally in all cultures everywhere, have found to be important ethical concerns, are completely rejected as immoral mm-hmm. by the left. Right. So, moving forward, loyalty to a group shrinks the moral circle. It is the basis of racism and exclusion, they say. Authority is oppression. Sanctity is religious mumbo-jumbo, whose only function is to suppress female sexuality and justify homophobia. In a study I did with Jesse Graham and Brian Nozick, we tested how well liberals and conservatives could understand each other. We asked more than 2,000 American visitors to fill out the Moral Foundations questionnaire. One-third of the time, they were asked to fill it out normally, answering as themselves. One-third of the time, they were asked to fill it out as they think a typical liberal would respond. One-third of the time, they were asked to fill it out as a typical conservative would respond. This design allowed us to examine the stereotypes that each side held about the other. More important, it allowed us to assess how accurate they were by comparing people's expectations about typical partisans to the actual responses from partisans on the left and the right. Who was best able to pretend to be the other? The results were clear and consistent. Moderates and conservatives were most accurate in their predictions, whether they were pretending to be liberals or conservatives. Liberals were the least accurate, especially those who described themselves as very liberal. The biggest errors in the whole study came when liberals answered the care and fairness questions while pretending to be conservatives. When faced with questions such as, one of the worst things a person could do is hurt a defenseless animal. Or, justice is the most important requirement for a society. Liberals assumed that conservatives would disagree. If you have a moral matrix built primarily on intuitions about care and fairness, as equality, and you listen to the Reagan, that is conservative, narrative, what else could you think? Reagan seems completely unconcerned about the welfare of drug addicts, poor people, and gay people. He's more interested in fighting wars and telling people how to run their sex lives. If you don't see that Reagan is pursuing positive values of loyalty, authority, and sanctity, you almost have to conclude that Republicans see no positive value in care and fairness. You might even go as far as Michael Feingold, a theater critic for the liberal newspaper The Village Voice, when he wrote, quote, Republicans don't believe in the imagination, partly because so few of them have one, but mostly because it gets in the way of their chosen work, which is to destroy the human race and the planet. Human beings who have imaginations can see a recipe for disaster in the making. Republicans, whose goal in life is to profit from disaster and who don't give a hoot about human beings, either can't or won't. Which is why I personally think they should be exterminated before they cause any more harm. One of the many ironies in this quotation, and this is Height speaking here, is that it shows the inability of a theater critic who skillfully enters fantastical imaginary worlds for a living to imagine that Republicans act within a moral matrix that differs from his own. Morality 
binds and blinds. So that makes it clear mm-hmm. exactly. that the hatred that the left has for the right is based on them not understanding at all right. what conservatives think. Height's research, and I present this in my classes when I teach this, shows that conservatives care just as much as liberals about care and harm and fairness. They score essentially equally on that. It's just that the three other foundations that conservatives value are things that the left doesn't Doesn't value. value. And, go ahead. I was going to say, how about... Heights interview with Bill Moyers on NPR. Right. So Bill Moyers of NPR interviewed Height on this, on the book, um, The Righteous Mind. And Height said this When I began this work, I was very much a liberal. And over time, in doing the research for my book and in reading a lot of conservative writing, I've come to believe that conservative intellectuals actually are more in touch with human nature. They have a more accurate view of human nature. We need structure. We need families. We need groups. It's okay to have memberships and rivalries. All that stuff is okay unless it crosses the threshold into Manichaeism. So I think that it would be very difficult to run a good society without resting much on loyalty, authority, and sanctity. I think you need to use those. Bill Moyers. But it seems to me, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's interesting. Mm-hmm. When I present this research mm-hmm. to conservatives, they say, oh, yeah, that's obvious. Right. When I present it to liberals, they say, oh, that's not true. <laughs> Almost everyone yeah. refuses to accept it. Right. Science matters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it seems to me that liberals, progressives, are much more in touch with the nature of the social order. I had an anthropology teacher at the University of Texas who had spent five years amongst the Apaches in West Texas for his graduate work, and he used both their examples and the example through ages of saying, through the long history of human beings, we've accomplished more by cooperation than we have by competition. And it seems to me that's the truth that progressives, or liberals, or whomever you want to call them, see that conservatives don't. Jonathan Haidt. But cooperation and competition are opposite sides of the same coin. And we've gotten this far because we cooperate to compete. So you can say that liberals are more accurate or in touch with how the system works. But I would say they're more in touch with some aspects of how systems go awry and oppress some people, ignore other people. Liberals see some aspects of where the social system breaks down, and conservatives see others. You have to have consequences following bad behavior. That is as basic an aspect of system design as any. And that's one where conservatives see it much more clearly than liberals. So despite the fact Mm -hmm. that Jonathan Haidt is a liberal, was a liberal, he manages actually to see the truth. Right, right? exactly. And and that's a hard thing to do. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things we're excited by in doing this topic, is the amount of people that are beginning to do this. Mm -hmm. But that tells how bad things have gotten, (laughs) that they're actually starting by themselves to see through the ideology. Exactly. Now, how about you have an interview with, Haidt's interview with Stephen Colbert? Haidt's interview with Stephen Colbert, he says this at the very end of the interview, I was a liberal my whole life, until I started writing the book. And then, 
while trying to explain conservatives to my fellow liberals. I'm a professor. While trying to explain conservatives, I realized actually conservatives see a lot of things that liberals can't see. They actually have a very good understanding of human nature. Now, this is not to say that the Republicans are right. <laughs> can't say that. Never say that. Actually, I don't think the Republicans are right. They should. Actually, the Republicans are the cause of the problem in Washington. But if you step back, I actually think that conservatives have a more accurate view of human nature than do liberals. Those are startling admissions. Now, um, you have another article, How a Liberal Learned to Respect Conservative Thinking and Accept the Fact the Right is Happier than the Left. Right. <laughs> and this... And this, this go ahead. I was going to say, this one, the thing that really struck you on this one is about how liberals dehumanize conservatives. Yes. So... We'll pick up with this one. I, I'm not going to read the whole article. We'll put it again into the notes. Yeah. But the title itself is right. quite telling, how right. a liberal learned to respect conservative thinking. And it's a rift on height, actually. Mm -hmm. this, is, this is where she learned it, in addition to her own research. Right. Further into the article, she says this. Who, who is the Ooh, I'm author, sorry. and when was it? Yeah, this was, this was written in 2013. Ah, the author's name is Catherine Caldwell Harris, who is a College of Arts and Sciences Associate Professor of Psychology and a research associate at the Nonprofit Institute for the Biocultural Study of Religion. Uh, oh, about a page into the article, she says this, As a liberal, I spent many years holding conservative values in contempt. Not care about global warming? Exploit and vilify immigrants? hold men and women to different standards of sexual behavior, dismiss those living in poverty, enact legislation to help those who were already successful keep their wealth, harmful, wrong, and unfair. <laughs> it sounds like the litany that we always get whenever a liberal talks about conservatism. She goes on, So what hit me so hard when reading the work of Jonathan Haidt was the realization that the three moral systems that liberals disavow, but conservatives embrace, that is, respect for authority, prioritizing in-group members, and purity, are the hallmarks of the collectivist value systems I learned about as part of doing cross-cultural research and living overseas. My current and more sympathetic understanding is that the central goal of collectivist societies and social conservatism as a political ideology is reserving resources for the in-group, a strategy that was necessary in earlier eras when the neighboring tribe was encroaching on your territory and daily survival was often uncertain. Purity rules and emphasis on obedience to authority are tools that help small-scale societies increase cohesion and survival. So, one of the ways in which, even after liberals start to understand, right that they continue to attack conservatives mm -hmm. is that this is an evolutionary carryover and that therefore we must learn to transcend it right. <laughs> and, and get better. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Which is also part of the leftist ideology of Marx. Right. Because the idea is that we human beings are perfectible and we can get it right. We can actually correct all of these old errors that we have. So it's, it's utopian thinking. Exactly. My research, my teaching, and my traveling showed me that for the majority of cultures that have thrived on our planet, 
socially conservative political views made a lot of sense. But what really made me more tolerant about the other side was when I started rubbing shoulders in a collaboration with scholars who self-identified as centrist, middle-of-the-road, politically moderate, religious, and even conservative. So this is part of the problem. Mm -hmm. Liberals don't have to deal with conservatives because the dominance has become such that they can live in an entirely liberal society and not have to actually deal with conservative ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's become the new normal. It's the water they swim in. And they don't have to understand conservatives. Not so for conservatives. Because we're stuck with swimming in their water. (laughs) And so we have to understand them. Which goes along with what Height said. Right. So this this takes us right to the heart of this article and what I wanted to say about it. One of my conservative colleagues pointed me to enlightening essays about this in the American Conservative, a magazine I found to be far more reasonable And she's really shocked by that. Far more reasonable than one would think from the constant vilification of conservatives on a website I enjoy. (laughs) So everything vilifies conservatives in liberalism by the left. And you would say dehumanizes. Right. And that's what takes us to this next thing. All of the above, the travel, the research, teaching, and the collaboration has led me to a place where Instead of inching away when I meet someone who expresses conservative political values, (laughs) I take the opportunity to learn. And not just because some conservatives join forces with liberals by being against patriarchy, racism, and my country first patriotism. Okay, so that whole litany there Mm -hmm. shows that even now she has no idea what conservatives are about. Because conservatism is not, Mm -hmm. emphatically not, racist. They're constantly painted that way. But I've been in both circles all my life. And I've I've known a handful of people I would call racist. And they've been on both sides, left and right. And predominantly... On the right, mm-hmm. there's almost no racists that I know of that I've ever encountered. Now, now that is anecdotal, of mm-hmm. course. Exactly. But it, I would also say that the statistics would bear that out if anyone really actually cared to, to study actually it. study it. There's something else about conservatives that is interesting. They're happier than liberals. <laughs> and this is another thing of what it's evident, right, mm-hmm. to us. Exactly. When we talk to conservatives, generally, they're pretty happy Mm -hmm. people. And you talk to liberals and they're like angry about everything. I have long appreciated the optimism about human progress that is a a key ideal of liberalism. And that's an important point. Liberalism, as Mm -hmm. we've understood it from the Enlightenment period, traditional traditional liberalism, really has become conservatism. That's what conservatives are classical liberals. Mm -hmm. And liberalism has changed radically from that. Um, and there is, an, there is an optimism to that notion of progressing, of getting better as time moves forward. And both conservatives embrace that fully and have always embraced it. It's just that we, we want to be careful about how it comes about. And what the left has embraced is utopianism. Just, yeah, just go full speed ahead. Yeah. <laughs> All things are... All things are sacrificable right. to obtain the, the utopia. Right. While I still embrace this view, she said, I wonder if conservative ideals 
are more natural ideals. <laughs> Again, this is a shocking idea for them. That is, does human nature, as it emerged under the pressures of natural selection of our small group living ancestors, include the urge to curtail individual expression, enforce authority, and hoard resources for the in-group? Compared to liberals, social conservatives may well be living lives that are more similar to what humans have lived for tens of thousands of years. Oh my goodness, tradition might have something to teach us. And if so, is their more natural mindset the reason that conservatives are, at least according to surveys, often happier than liberals? Right. And it also helps explain, like you just said a moment ago, why the left tends to vilify conservatives. Because they see them as immoral, right. the people as immoral, because they embrace a series of ethics well, that they think are yeah. are wrong. Yeah, and yet conservatives, he, conservatives look at the liberals and say, "You're you're wrong about the facts." Yes, you're wrong about right. There's truth. Right, I disagree with you. I think you're wrong about that. But liberals look at conservatives and say, "You're evil. Right, you're exactly. bad." That's that is. It, and we've seen this over and over again in arguments, and we saw it in in Joe Biden's speech, right? Exactly. Recently, mm -hmm. which we'll be talking we'll be about talking about that at much greater length because um, we have another article on that. Right. I am a Christian with the searching and skeptical mind of an atheist. I don't want to believe anything that isn't true. I know both sides of the looking glass and I know them with open eyes. I choose Christ's side. I invite you to join me from wherever you stand before the looking glass. That's this week's episode. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can have your religious cake and eat it too. You can have reason, respect for science, a 21st century worldview, and be a Christian.